So I want to share with you tonight, and if you've got notes there, I'm, I know the ushers have been real good at getting those out to everybody. Um, I want us to pick up with where we left off last week. We did a, had an awesome service last week talking about Peter, and I talked a little bit about um, by Sunday morning, that's the beauty of preaching on Saturday night, the dynamics of the crowds change, and so you got to adjust, and I love to be ready to adjust in season, out of season, all the time. And uh, so that morning while I was praying, God knew who was going to be here, and he gave me a little bit different highlight of the message of how I was supposed to preach it. And um, we talked about last week at the end of that message about the freedom that Peter experienced in his life after he had gone through a horrible season of being for feeling forsaken because of his own sin. And just how dark Saturday had to have been for Peter, especially because, you know, as Jesus said, I prayed for you and when you're converted. So he knew the Lord had prayed for him. But sometimes even that attitude of knowing the Lord had prayed for him wasn't enough. The darkness was too great. And uh, just the difficulty of what he faced. But come Sunday morning, everything changed. Amen. Amen. You know, it might be Friday, but thank God it's, it'll be Sunday soon. And that's always a good thing. Well, I want to talk to you just picking up with that about loving like Jesus because um, we talk a lot about this in the church. We say, well, you know, we just need to love people like Jesus loves them, and we need to walk in love like Jesus loves. And so I, I want us to really take a real serious look at how Jesus actually loved and how that he loved people and how he reached out to people. And uh, if you have your notes there, the first thing, and you're going to love this, is, is that he forgives sinners. That's how Jesus loves. He forgives sinners. He forgives sinners. Mark, Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. I think that's listed there in your, in your uh, uh, stuff that I gave you here tonight. Verse 14 said, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. It's like what Becky shared a few minutes ago, that look, all of the... All of the blessings of God come with some kind of thing you need to do. Give, it'll be given. We all want the given part, but do we want to do the give part? We all want forgiveness. All of us here do, but do we want to do the forgive part? That's always the contingency with God. Luke 23 says in uh, chapter 23, verse 32, as Jesus hung on the cross, um, he made this very profound statement, one you'll be familiar with. There were two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. So even from the cross, Jesus was declaring that we need to forgive, that he would forgive those who were casting lots for his clothes, those who had crucified him. I mean, how do you deal with, that's what, that's this incredible love that Jesus had and has in forgiving people for just the horrible things that they had done to him. Because he said, look, Father, forgive them. Uh, if you look in the book of Acts, and Stephen followed in the same pattern in Acts chapter 7, Whenever he had been taken, they were going to stone him. And when they get, they're getting, they start firing off the rocks at him and he looks into heaven. He says, Father, forgive them 
because they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. I mean, it, it, it just seems to me that our nature would be retaliation, not forgiveness. That our nature would be to come back at whoever. You know, that Jesus would say, you know, hey, you guys did me wrong. I'm going to get you for this. Pay, payday's coming, right? And sometimes the church can sound exactly like that, that we're talking about, look, your you know, payday's coming. Well, let me just say that whatever you owe has been paid in full. Can I get a good amen? So how in the world do you and I love like Jesus? I teach this great class. Um, I have about, um, I have, uh, I think it's uh, 13 freshmen. And uh, they're awesome at the high, at the school, at the, and I don't know how many of them are church. I think a few of them, but we really don't talk about, we don't really get into the depths of faith because that's, that's not why they asked me to come in. And uh, if it comes up, I'm allowed to. But if, it, if not, then we don't talk too much about it. But one of the things we were talking about was relationships. And uh, did you know that uh, 70% of people are fired from a job because of their relationships on the job? 70 per- Do you know how big that is? Seven out of 10 people that get fired is because they can't get along with other people. And so they, have, they fire them. You can't, you can't work with other people. You don't want to go along. You don't want to, so you're causing trouble. And you're going to get fired. You know, it's like I always told Greg when we were training him to, to, you know, getting him ready for the workplace. I said, son, here's what you do. Show up early, stay late, and keep your mouth shut. So, well, I got an opinion. I should be able to say what I want to say. Yeah, but here's the thing. If you stand by the water cooler and run your mouth, I promise you, everybody that you're running your mouth to is telling on you. Thank you, Pastor. That was awesome. I mean, we're not doing a, you know, an employment seminar here, but I just tell you right now, if you really want to be successful in life, you only got to do three things. Show up early, stay late, and keep your mouth shut. Man, if you, yeah, work hard, but I mean, you know, keep your mouth shut while you're there. Don't get it, don't let, and don't let people, I'm telling you right now, and I'm not going to get into this in too much depth, but somebody starts telling you what they don't like, whenever you tell them what you don't like, they're not going to go tell your boss what they said. They're going to go tell your boss what you said. So it's best for you to just let it go. Or go find a different job, or they're going to help you find another job. So seven out of ten, seven out of ten, get fired because of relationships, not because they don't work hard, not because they don't, uh, they're not skilled enough. It's because they can't get along with other people. So I'm in, in this class with these girls. There's, there's thirteen, I think there's thirteen girls and three boys, and so I'm like talking about relationships, and I said, look. If you have relationships with anybody in your life, your family, your church, your school, your teachers, your coaches, you're going you're gonna to get your feelings hurt. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you right up front. If you have a friend, a close friend, a bosom friend, and they're just like you, I mean, you guys just get along so great. But I promise you, at some point in your life, you're going to get upset at each other they're going to do something you didn't like, and then you're going to have to make a choice. And that choice is either you can hold it against them or you can forgive them, okay? And so I told them, look, forgiveness is a choice. 
If you look at the word forgive, it means in the actual Greek language, I didn't tell the kids this, because they would be like, you know a Greek? Um, <laughs> they would be, that it means to put something away. That's all it means. Forgiveness is putting something away. And so when you take, and you don't, it's not gone, it's not obliterated, it's just something that you chose to put away. Now, you can leave your stuff all out in the open where everybody can see it, or you can put it away. So I said, you guys have to make that choice. Now, I did, and then we went into the details about, you know, I eventually I got to the point where I was talking with them about, now there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. Trust is earned. So we don't, you know, even if somebody violates us, I said, if your boyfriend cheats on you, you dump him. You, you dump him. You say, well, you should forgive. Yeah, I said, forgive him, but dump him. No, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't even look at that age, high school age. Play the field, man. Don't, don't lock down. Don't lock down. I mean, let it go. Don't, don't, don't knock yourself out over this guy who's, or girl who's cheating on you. <clears throat> And I don't care if it was a moment of weakness. Well, the, the girls, I mean, I'm not kidding. This class, they were like, they were glued to me while I'm talking. It's the, it was the best class I've ever had. I mean, they're super attentive. And I says, you know, you're going to get offended at your parents. I says, let me ask you a question. If, your boy, if, if somebody hurts you, what do you think about doing? How do you respond to that? And one of the girls, not, not one of the boys, one of the girls said, slash their tires. <laughs> but let, yeah, a freshman. And then one of the other girls says, yeah, but don't slash all four of them so they can't get insurance. How in the world does a freshman girl know that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, man. These, and the boys are just sitting down at the end going, I don't know what you do. And, you know. <laughs> I mean, they're just out of it. But these girls, man, they got vengeance plans, right? I mean, how to, how to pay back, how to pay, pay you back. I'll slash his tires, and I'm only slashing three of them, and then he'll have to pay for all three of them instead of collecting. Because if you do the fourth one, then they, it's, it's considered enough to get your insurance to cover it. I was blown away. I mean, I was absolutely blown away. Now, Lord, now, listen, don't be thinking about who ti whose tires you're going to slash tonight. The, excuse me, Pastor, I need to step out for just a moment. I'll be right back. Oh, here comes Connie. She must have been out there slashing tires in the parking lot, right? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Somebody's paying for it tonight. But see, that, but see that's, how we have to, that's how we have to realize that, look, that the attitude of the world system is, is that you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. You touch me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you. But what does the Bible teach us to do? I mean, that's where it gets really, that's where it gets awkward. Because, you know, so, I mean, in this class, of course, I have to teach biblical principles without calling it biblical principles, which is fine with me. I love it. So, but, uh, you know, the, uh, but, but what do we do? How do we deal with that? Because here's the deal. If you don't learn to forgive, you will, forgiveness does not stop just at forgiveness, of unforgiveness. That's the danger of it. And the Lord tried to explain this to us. 
And what happens is, is that if you and I, if we get into unforgiveness in our lives, especially as a Christian believer, we're not loving like Jesus loved, then what we begin to do is open up our life to torment. And what it will do is, is that it will begin to create a circle within our lives of unforgiveness that will breed itself into bitterness. And see, the problem with bitterness, and you've met bitter people before, bitterness is, is that it becomes a root. And what bitterness does is that it digs deep into our life and it defiles everybody we talk to. So if, I'm a, if I have a problem with Tom and I don't deal with that in forgiveness, not necessarily that I go to Tom and say, Tom, I, you know, because I think that's ridiculous. That's, that's like trying to manipulate people. If Tom comes and asks me for forgiveness, I'd tell him he's forgiven. But I'm not going to go, hey, Tom, I just want you to know I forgive you for being a jerk the other day. And, you know, I, I just want you to know that I prayed for you. And uh, not because I wanted to, because Jesus told me to do it. Right? Yeah. No, I for, if I don't forgive Tom, then what's going to happen if I continue? Because here's what happens. Whatever, his, whatever offense has hit your life, offense is the doorway to deceit. As soon as that opens that door in your life and you continue to ponder upon it, what you rehearse, you nurse. Yeah. Say that with me. What I rehearse, what I, rehearse. I, nurse. I nurse. So I'm keeping it alive, right? By rehearsing. And you know, when somebody hurts you, you don't just keep it to yourself usually. You got to talk to somebody else about it. Now, I'm all for therapy and getting counseling and things like that, but you're talking to people that can help you, not people that you just want to pass bad information to. That's right. Okay? So, you know, somebody offends you, 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 you just keep rehearsing it. Well, you know, Sally at work, she did the, you know, she's just, and then here's what's going to happen. The next time you talk to someone about Sally, you won't be able to control it. I, I promise you, you won't be able to keep your mouth shut. It's coming out. And all that stuff is going to come out that you feel in your heart and before you know it. And, and what you have done is you have now defiled someone else's perspective about Sally. That's, right. That's what it says in the scripture, that it becomes a root of bitterness and it springs up and it defiles many. So what do we do? How do we, so, pet preacher, you tell me to forgive. How do, I, how do I do that kind of forgiveness? Well, Jesus told us specifically what we needed to do. And in fact, if you look in your notes there in Matthew chapter, or Luke chapter 6, verse 28, he tells us real clear about how that you and I are to respond when people treat us bad. Now, I'm reading now the King James Version. I think you have the New Living Translation uh, in your notes. Luke 6, uh, 28, and this is what it says. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. Oh, yeah, I'll pray. I'll pray that they get hemorrhoids. That's what I'm going to pray. I'll pray that they realize how wrong they are. That is not what he said, is it? I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. You guys know what hemorrhoids are, right? Do you want me to explain it? or? Okay. No, no. Yeah, thanks. No, man, but you know, that's the tendency. God, I just pray you give Josh hemorrhoids because he has hurt my feelings and he needs to, you know, right? Make all of Chuck's teeth fall out. Lord, make, you know, I mean, just crazy stuff. Call fire from heaven. Wasn't that kind of what the guys did? They're like the disciples, the followers of Jesus. And what did they say? They're like, Lord, these people aren't listening to you. And so let us call down fire, which is worse than hemorrhoids, by the way. 
Let us call fire down from heaven and burn them to death. Jesus is like, hey, you guys aren't paying attention. That's the wrong attitude. That's the wrong spirit. You're not to pray that those who speak against me and speak against our way, that they would die from what they're doing. You're to be heaping love. He tells them here, look, guys, pray. He said, bless them that curse you. Has anybody cursed you? See, you're to reverse the curse by blessing them. I, I don't know, Pastor. That just seems a little bit, that seems a little bit tough to me. Look at Matthew. Uh, I think I've got that one in your notes as well. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43. And uh, in 43, he says this. Uh, you have heard that it has been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and bless them that curse you. Man, Lord, do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Oh my goodness. You mean you want me to bless them? Exactly. Now, listen, what God is asking you to do in this has more to do with you than it does with them. And the very fact that you're like, I'm not doing that, show, should show each of us where our heart is really at. And are we really loving like Jesus? Many years ago, when I was in, pastoring in Marietta, this guy that was on our staff, and he come in the office one day, and he goes, I'm starting a new church. I've been going to go over to this town, and we're starting a new church. And I said, well, okay. I said, can we talk about it? He says, no, we're going to do it. And he says, and I'm taking these guys with me from the church. And they were my top, some of my top leaders in the church. And I said, are you serious? He goes, yeah, man, we're leaving. We won't be here next Sunday. We're starting this new church. They had all this plan. And I'm telling you, man, my, this guy, if I, if I went through the history, Sharon knows about a lot of this because she was with me through all of it. But we rescued this guy time and time again from trouble. I mean, just, I mean, I should have kicked his, should have kicked him out of the church. I'm sorry. I should have asked him, to, I should have just gently said, ushers, take him out. Thank you. And, but I mean, he just, because he was a manipulator, he was, and I, I just, but I, you know, I'm a believer in people. That's one of my downfalls is, is that I want to, I really want to help people go to the next level. And sometimes people take advantage of that. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm helping this guy. And then I, I have him as part. I'm letting him do Friday night meetings in our church and, and, you know, revival services and just giving him every opportunity to try to help build. I said, look, man, if you want to receive an offering in that, go ahead and do it. We just want to help you and build your ministry. And then he comes in and says, well, I'm leaving. And I'm taking, uh, I'm taking at least three families from the church that are here and they were people, men that I had discipled. And, and so we had a meeting and it, it was not good. And my, my other leaders in the church were very angry and jumped all over these guys. And I mean, it was ugly. It got ugly. It got real ugly, okay? And I was ugly in my heart about it. I mean, really ugly. And you know, when you're, as a preacher, if, when you're ugly about something, you gotta watch because it starts coming out in your sermons. And, and, and some of you that have been around for a while, you can, you can hear... When a, when a preacher's upset, he's picking certain verses out, you know, like Ananias and Sapphira were killed for being bad in the church, and <laughs> right? And, you know, and, and they lied about their offering. And I mean, you just gotta, I mean, there's just ways that, I mean, it did happen, 
but it happened one time, okay? So I don't know that that's something like that. Like, but, but you understand what I'm saying. There's more behind the story than just the biblical story that's being, you know, being used. So, I mean, I was hurting and I was mad and I was gonna get, I mean, and, and uh, so anyways, we go to this minister's meeting, Josh. We're all in this little restaurant back room and all these pastors come in. And one of my buddies that I had really worked with at another church, he, he's the lead minister, his name's Kevin. And Kevin's gonna lead the group and he's doing a great job. And we're all sitting around and, and having fellowship. And in comes this guy that Chris, is was his name, comes this guy, he comes walking in and he sits down at the table. And he doesn't sit down across from me he doesn't sit down five steps, five seats away. He sits right down on my right side. And I'm thinking, dude, I hate your guts. Get out of here. Now don't judge me because I know you've thought the same thing. Amen. Amen. So he sits right beside me and he's just like, hey, pastor, how you doing? Good. To-. Man, I'm just like, don't call me your pastor. I'm not your pastor. I mean, and he's and I'm and man, I'm 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 in a warfare. It gets worse. Kevin, my great friend Kevin, says, here's what I'd like you to do, guys. I'd like you to pray for the person on your right side today. I'm thinking, yeah, hemorrhoids right now. Let them just blow out. I don't care. Let it happen. Let it come. The fire from heaven, just don't burn me. Just take him out. Send him good, God. And, and I mean, I was mad. And so I'm starting, I'm sitting there trying to think of how I can somehow appease God, Kevin, and deal with the situation all at the same time. And so I start to pray. And while I'm praying, the Lord quotes a verse to me. He says something to me. And you know, it, you know, it's like Becky was saying that God will speak to you. Sometimes when God speaks to you, it's not what you wanted to hear. And I'm like, God, I, I, he says, and when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord turned his captivity. So everything about Job changed after he prayed for his friends. Now let's talk about his friends for a minute, okay? These three guys were the worst because when Job was doing great, they were all like buddy, buddy, and we're all in this together and let's have a cappuccino together and, you know, and hang out and Hey, man, you come to my house. Well, our kids will play together. It'll be awesome. We'll have a lot of fun. It'll be really cool. We're going to, we, you're our pal. But then he gets sick and then he loses his wealth. And then his wife is giving him trouble. And he's sitting outside on the street curb and he's, the dogs are licking his sores. And I mean, he's, he's a mess and he's scraping himself. I mean, can you imagine he's scraping this disease in his skin that he's got? And uh, I mean, he's, his whole life is miserable. And then these three guys show up and they start in on him. Well, you know what your problem is. Your problem is, is that you have hidden sin in your life. See, his relatives are still in the church today. Those guys' relatives are still in the church today. You got all these difficulties because you got hidden sin in your life. Now, I have to imagine for Job that that was the hardest thing for him to do at that moment. How do I pray for these guys? And at first time when the Lord spoke to me, I, the way I heard it was in when Job prayed for his enemies, the Lord turned his captivity. And the Lord said, well, excuse me, that isn't what I said. 
I want you to look it up. So I open my Bible. You know, I'm sitting there. I'm trying to think how I'm going to pray because Kevin's still talking about how we need to pray for each other. And so I flip to Job and there at the end and it says, and Job prayed for his friends. And I says, well, what does that mean? He says, I want you to pray for him like he's your friend, not your enemy. I said, but he is my enemy. He says, well, that's not how I want you to pray for him. I said, well, how would I, well, how do I, well, can you explain that again to me? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I mean, how do I do that? Uh, yeah, is there anybody, you know, it's like the guy, you probably heard this story, the guy fell off a cliff, he's hanging by a tree limb, and he's, while he's hanging there, he's like crying out, help, 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 and is there anybody up there, and nobody answers, and then a little later, somebody yells back, I'm up here, I'll help you, and he, and he says, well, who is it? He says, it's Jesus. He says, okay, help me, Jesus. He goes, okay, let go of the tree limb. Gets real quiet, and then you hear the guy go, is there anybody else up there? Sometimes we feel like that. Is there anybody else that I could talk to besides, you know, uh, what, what, is it that, uh, what, what, what is it that we say when we go to a restaurant? Can I see your supervisor, right? So Jesus, that's not going to work. Could I see your supervisor, please? Can I talk to the Father? The Father's definitely going to have a better perspective on this than what you do. So he says, pray. Pray for, pray for him. So I sat there, man, and I'm telling you, it was the longest deal and I'm, I'm whole, and he's, so we like got to hold hands and, you know, and his hand was all clammy and cold like a snake. And, uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> and so, no, I'm just kidding. Now, you know, I'm just kidding. Don't believe what she says about that. Anyways, I'm kidding. So I'm holding his hand and I'm just like, Lord, I pray, Lord, I just, I pray for Chris. And I just start in. I say, all right, Lord, I pray, Lord, I pray that you'll, I pray that you'll bless Chris. And I'm trying to stay as generic as I can, you know, you know what I mean? Because I don't like want to get into specifics because I really don't want it to happen. Because you might looked at that verse and thought, it sure would mean a lot more to me if it said, curse those who speak against you. Right? We, have, we can put a curse on them. So he said, bless them. So I started praying. And I'm just like, Chris, Lord, just bless Chris. Lord, Lord, I just pray that you will bless him and that God, that you will give him. And then I started in, you know, I pray for his wife and I pray for his kids and and Lord, I pray that you'll financially bless him. And I mean, it, it is like, I mean, I'm sure that I felt like, I, I, at that moment, I felt like Haman marching Mordecai through the street. Do you all know who that is? Yeah. You know, I mean, you're pulling, Haman's got to lead him through and he had ran his mouth and, you know, and I'm like, I got to, oh gosh, and I'm praying. And I mean, I'm just releasing all these blessings and, and, uh, and I'm trying to be as, sincere with God. But when I got done, when I got done, something changed in me. It really did. In our ministry, actually, we had a breakthrough. Things began to, things began to pop and began to happen. Some things started happening with the TV ministry, some other things. See, we're, this is not a suggestion that Jesus is making of here's, here's plan A, and if you don't like A, here's plan B. Here's plan A. What do you do whenever somebody hurts you? You pray for those who 
hurt you. You pray for them that God will bless them. The word bless, remember this now, means to empower. The word curse means to to disempower. So when you and I, when we bless somebody, we are empowering them for success. We're speaking things over their life. And look, it, it, it's, it, what you, you know, in our mind, we might think, well, God, they're disloyal and they're not trustful and they shouldn't be blessed. That has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with your heart that needs to be a resource of blessing instead of a resource of bitterness. A resource of bitterness. So, how do we do this? We have to face the fact that we forgive. Number two in your notes there, that we forgive as we have been forgiven. We forgive as we have been forgiven. And that can be really, really tough. I mean, we've all heard that, I'm sure, at one time or another, forgive like you've been forgiven. I want to read this to you out of the uh, Colossians 3.13. Um, I don't know what, did I put that in your notes, 3.13? Okay. I don't know what translation that is, but, but I want to read this out of the King James. Uh, verse, I want us to look at verse 12, and uh, we're going to look at verse 12 and 13 and 14. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. Verse 13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. You do the same thing. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Now, in the passion, in the in the Weiss translation, which is a powerful, powerful translation, um, Weiss put this. He said, "Put on, therefore, as chosen out as chosen out ones of God, saints, beloved ones, a heart of compassion, of kindness and humility, and of long suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a matter of complaint against anyone." Even as and in the degree that the Lord forgave you, in the same manner also you forgive. And then the Passion Translation says of verse 14, which I just find so incredible. For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. So none of these things that we talk about here, compassion, kindness, um, long-suffering, humility, bearing with one another, forgiving, is possible unless we let love flow through us, the love of Christ. For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. The love, love becomes the mark of true, true maturity. It was interesting, the Thayer, who is a, a Greek scholar, he wrote about this verse 12, and said this, the word put on here means to become so possessed of the mind of Christ as in thought, feeling, and action to resemble him and as it were reproduce the life that he lived. By putting on, he said here, put on therefore as the elect of God the things that he mentioned that what you're saying is is that I'm going to become so possessed of the mind of Christ as in thought, feeling, and action to resemble him and, as it were, reproduce the life that he lived. The life that he lived. Look, we've been forgiven so much. 
And God says that what he wants of us is to forgive in return, to forgive in return. That's forgiveness. I read this really incredible uh, story, um, and I have the letter here. I want to read it to you about a father that wrote to a man that was on death row that had killed his son. Now, I want you to imagine that for just a minute. And you find in the story that this was, he only had one child. So his only son was killed by this man. And this father has made a choice to write to this guy, to talk to him about what happened to his son. You think of now, you, you that have children, how you would feel right now. Just think about that just for a moment. And they're on death row. I mean, they, they're destined for death row in hell. And in your heart, there would absolutely have to be a part of you that would say, that's exactly what I hope happens to you and I hope you suffer for it. So I wanna read the letter to you, is that all right? You're probably surprised that I, of all people, am writing a letter to you, but I ask you to read it in its entirety and consider its request seriously. As the father of the man whom you took part in murdering, I have something very important to say to you. I forgive you. With all my heart, I forgive you. I just, I mean, I, I can't imagine this. Can you? I mean, just, I forgive you. With all my heart, I forgive you. I realize it may be hard for you to believe, but I really do. At your trial, when you confess to your part in the events that cost my son his life and ask for my forgiveness, I immediately granted you that forgiving love from my heart. I can only hope you believe me and will accept my forgiveness. But this is not all I have to say to you. And you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, here it comes, right? I gotta make the guy feel bad, right? But this is not all I have to say to you. I want to make you an offer. I want you to become my adopted child. You see, my son who died was my only child, and now I want to share my life with you and leave my riches to you. This may not make sense to you or anyone else, but I believe you are worth the offer. I have arranged matters so that if you receive my offer of forgiveness, not only will you be pardoned for your crime, but you'll also be set free from your imprisonment and your sentence of death will be dismissed. At that point, you will become my adopted child and heir to all my riches. I realize this is a risky offer to make to you. You might be tempted to reject my offer completely, but I make it without reservation. Also, I realize it may seem foolish to make such an offer to one who cost my son his life, but now, I now have a great love and an unchangeable forgiveness in my heart for you. Finally, you may be concerned that once you accept my offer, you may do something to cause you to be denied your rights as an heir to my wealth. Nothing could be further from the truth. If I can forgive you for your part in my son's death, I can forgive you for anything. I know you never will be perfect, but you do not have to be perfect to receive my offer. Besides, I believe that once you have accepted my offer and begin 
to experience the riches that will come to you from me, that your primary, though not always, response will be gratitude and loyalty. Some would call me foolish for my offer to you, but I wish for you to call me your father. Sincerely, the father of Jesus. What great love he has for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But not just so that we could be forgiven of our sin, but so we could be in his family, that we could be in a relationship with the Father God. Maybe we've never thought of it that way, the cost that it cost the Father. We know what we did to the Son. We did nothing but abuse, turn our backs on as Peter did and the disciples all did. We murdered him as the Romans did. We accused him falsely as the Jews did. And we did nothing to stop him from going to that cross as mankind. He did everything. so that you and I could have eternal life and be in a relationship with the Father. How much the Father loves you. How much the Father loves you. And that's why he tells us, look, pray for those who do wrong. Because baby, you done me wrong. You done me wrong but I forgive you. Whether you make the choice to do anything right about it or fix it or however, I've already decided. That's the cool thing about God. You don't have to get God to forgive you. He's already chosen to do it. You just have to, exactly, thank you. Did you want a mic? You want to preach? I know you're getting fired up. (laughs) What great love the Father has for you that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Thank you, Father God. Bow your heads with me tonight. Father, I thank you for your grace. Sometimes, Lord, life just hands us one thing after another thing, after another thing, after another thing. And before we know it, Lord God, our hearts are bitter, we're angry, we're frustrated. We got our lists of people that we're angry at, frustrated. We got our vengeance list, Lord. And that isn't even close to what you've called us to be or do. Father, I pray tonight by your Holy Spirit. Lord, that everyone here tonight would recognize the great love that you have for us. That you have brought us into your family. And that we need to be like love, like Jesus loved and to love and forgive sinners because we have been sinners. Lord, I pray that our lives will become so full of your love that when we look at people, we will see them with that love instead of the list of ways they've hurt us, betrayed us, I thank you for that, Father God. I want to ask while heads are bowed tonight, 
just to, it, it, look, if this is between you and God, but I, I'm going to give you an opportunity here to, in a minute to just, just to kind of settle things up in the presence of the Lord. But if you'd say, Pastor, look, my life, there's some stuff that I got to deal with tonight. I got to deal with it. I got to deal with it before God. And uh, I, I uh, you know, maybe it's sin. It could be. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ. Let's get that straightened out tonight. But maybe there are some things that have stood between you and God. It's something in your past that someone has done to you. Maybe your heart is really broken. You know, God cannot heal that broken heart until you forgive. I just, I wish I could tell you something different, but I can't. The healing comes when we forgive. And so I'm just going to ask all over the building tonight, if you say, Pastor, look, I've got some stuff in my life that I got to deal with before God. And I'm not calling you out here tonight. I'm just asking you in an acknowledgement that you're saying, that's me. I've got some stuff that I just got to work out before the Father tonight. I got to get this straightened out. And uh, so I'm going to give you this opportunity. If that's you I'm talking to, and uh, God's dealing with your heart right now, I just ask you if you lift your hand up just right now, if you do that. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Is there anyone else here to say, that's me? Thank you, sir. Thank you there in the back. Thank you here in the front. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Here's what I'd like to do. Let's all stand up. Um, Becky, would you come and play for me, please? Everybody hear me all right? Here's what needs to happen right now. Sometimes we have to do some awkward things to get to, get to the place we need to be. That's just the way it is. I'm going to ask you tonight, if you lifted your hand, if that, I'm going to just ask you if you'll just come and kneel here at the altar tonight and make it right with God. I'm just going to ask you to do that. I'm not going to beg you to do it. I am not going to beg people to receive what God freely wants to give you. But I'm going to just ask you if you'll come. Come on. If you lifted your hand, come on. Don't wait on nobody else. Don't wait to see who's coming, who's not coming. Just do it. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Son. Chuck, I want you to pray with him, if you would. Just talk to him about, you know what to do. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. It's all right. Thank you, sir. Just talk to him what you feel in your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, if God's dealing with others of you, come. Don't look. There's healing and restoration here tonight. I feel it in the spirit. There's stuff between you and the Father that needs to get worked out here tonight. I mean, he's given you his open invitation. Now you have to respond to that. I'm not going to make you. You just have to respond to it. Thank you, Father. Can you sing that? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Lord. You find me thankful. On my knees, Lord.
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus.